This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Relationships can be messy, confusing, and downright complicated. And that's why we're here to help. Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto, where we explore the ups and downs of love, dating, and everything in between. Join us as we talk to real people with real stories and help you make sense of your own love life. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, joined by my co-host tonight, the lovely Joan Kelly Walker, philanthropist. Hi, Laura. Hi, <laughs> and media personality. How are you, my friend? Excellent. Thank you. Amazing. All right. Can creating an emotional prenup lead to happier marriages? We'll be finding that out tonight as we're joined once again by Dr. Frida Birnbaum. Dr. Frida is a research psychologist, psychoanalytic therapist, and the award-winning author of Life Begins at 60, A New View of Motherhood, Marriage, and Reinventing Ourselves, and What Price Power, uh, and an in-depth study of the professional woman in a relationship. We're going to be diving deep into this today, discussing what an emotional prenup is, how it can strengthen marriages, and some of the things that you should consider when creating one yourselves. So let's get into it. So you know what, I know today we're talking about emotional prenups, but I just want to talk about the title of your book. And I'm planning on reading your book. I, I didn't even know that it existed. So I'm excited to read it. Uh, Life Begins at 60. And I just want to you know, a lot of people don't really want to jump up and down and say, hey, I'm 60, especially like hot women that look beautiful for their age. They might kind of want to cover that up a little bit. Is that what you find? Do people really want to declare their age? I think it's very sad that that is happening uh, because uh, society will not be able to represent your age unless you represent it appropriately. So we don't know what 60 is anymore, what 50 or 70 is anymore. So women are hiding. Uh, they don't want to be categorized. Uh, they don't want any kind of stigma attached to them. You know, we were talking about before the show, marrying younger men. You know, it's really not about the age. It's about what you have in common, where you are in your life. What are you doing? Who are you? Really, that's how we need to reassess uh, who we are. So, you know, when we talk about age and what that means, the more people, especially women, can identify who they are, the more we will see what age is today. Hmm. You know, I just feel like very protective of that number. Like, it's not like I'm embarrassed by my age. I just don't want other people to hear a number and associate it with me and put me in a box in their own brain mm -hmm. of what they think that number is. It's a preconceived idea of that age, 50, 55, 60, 60, whatever the number is. That's the part that I resist about. So like, I, I hear your point, but for me, it's kind of self-preservation. You know, the beauty about age is that it does get better, believe it or not. And women often fear, because women in age really are do not do well together as they get older, they often fear getting older. And I can testify when the book is, was written, Life Begins at 60, I was more excited than ever, and I felt better about myself than ever. So instead of fearing getting older, look forward to getting older. It really does get better. I'm much older than 60 now. And I feel much better than I ever did. I don't know how long it's going to last. But really, it's I'm what I'm doing, I'm doing so much 
I'm, I have my own podcast. I'm writing another book. Uh, there's a, a show, uh, a play going on about me. Um, I'm in the media. Uh, I'm on regular national and, and uh, te television, whatever. I'm just thinking of all the, all the things I'm doing uh, that I'm really much more comfortable doing today than I would have been any other time in my life because I have the answers. There's no authority telling me who or what I should be doing. It's extremely liberating. And yes, you're right. Today, women don't fall apart physically either. So we really have the whole package. It's getting better for us all the time, psychologically, think, physically, whatever. And I think it also depends on if you're married or not, or if you've been in a long-term relationship. I think it's more difficult if you hit a certain age and you're single, right? Because it's very shouldn't be invigorating stuff. though? Like, shouldn't you be excited and I don't know, you know, I've been married for over 20 years, but before that, I remember when I was dating, I always was, you know, working out and being more mindful of what I was eating and really looking after myself because I wanted to look good and I had so much fun with it. So shouldn't that whole process be invigorating instead of, you know, falling into this comfort zone where you let yourself go? I, you know what, and I agree with that, but I think that women are expected to conform to certain beauty standards that are heavily tied to their youth, you know, and I, and I feel like some women may feel that pressure to appear younger than they are and avoid disclosing their age to avoid, like what you said, Joan, being judged or stereotyped based on your age, you know, so I mean, yeah. Well, it depends where you are in your life, but it's true. And this is the other segment we were going to talk about, the emotional prenup, uh, where women, uh, after they get a divorce, uh, they fulfill themselves, uh, their identity. And men, believe it or not, fulfill a relationship. They look into that more often because these, these are the two things they weren't given uh, when they were children, The uh, those kind of opportunities. So you're right. We can do that within the marriage. It doesn't have to be uh, when you're single. Uh, marriage has its ups and downs. It's not easy. Being single is not easy. It's really how you balance your lifestyle uh, with who you are, the things you enjoy, the people you like, the relationships you do have, whether you're married or not. Uh, those are things that you need to take in more into consideration than anything else. Who are you as a person? Are you fulfilled? Are you self-fulfilled? Are you with people that give you positive impacts back to you or people that are negative? Uh, are you in a relationship that's good for you, whether you're married or not? Those are the things we need to reassess as we move on, because it's really all about you being true to yourself. So you know what, I'm not familiar with the whole concept of an emotional prenup. Can you explain, like, back up a little bit and just explain what is that? Well, you know, when we're looking at uh, a prenup, it's all about the divorce after the marriage. What do you get? How fair can it be to protect yourself for security for the future? But why didn't, don't we do something to prevent that or try to do something to prevent that from happening in the first place. So the emotional prenup, which was my idea, was how to rescue problems, how to be a preventative. It's not about therapy, uh, going to therapy, 
after you have the problem, but it's a preventative of what you need to look for to make this partnership work. So I'm going to ask each of you, what would be a deal breaker for you guys, for each of you, uh, to con whether to consider uh, connecting, having a relationship, getting married to somebody else? What would be the deal breaker here? You mean for me, in order for me to leave my husband? Yes. What would make you leave? What one thing would make you leave? Oh, my goodness. No emotional oh. intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. And no commitment. Like for me, like we talk about when we're old and gray and, you know, like we talk so long term. I find that very comforting. I think if someone didn't do that and give me that emotional support that it gives me security, I think that would be one thing. Mm -hmm. And the big question, trust. though, lack of trust. Yeah. I don't trust yeah. you. Lack of trust. Mm -mm. We're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. That's interesting that your answers are interesting because um, if you researched it, which you don't have to, because I'm going to tell you um, <laughs> that to tell you the truth, uh, that actually when you're dating, you should look out for for people who do not talk about the future, uh, people who don't have the same things in common uh, as far as being faithful? Do they talk about just being monogamous, just seeing you? Uh, what's going to happen uh, with the two of you down the line, making plans for you, uh, a trust issue? All these things uh, were very commonplace. The number one thing that really stood out in everybody's minds was infidelity, uh, that they wouldn't put up with, that's for sure. Uh, moving on, but the biggest problem that most people have, because most people don't have infidelity, you know, I'm just watching somebody walking out the fire escape, that's okay. Walking out, I mean, uh, most people do not have infidelity problems, but they would leave because of it. But money problems is the number one uh, identity that people look at that they will not put up with, which is, if you are not fair about money, if you're controlling about money, if you're withholding about money, these are issues. The best solution would be for everybody to combine their income. You keep both of your money or one person's money, who's ever making the money, into a joint account. And then you each have personal accounts of the same amount, no matter who's making how much. That's very, very important. The other part is, of course, Who's going to work? Who's not going to work? Are both of you going to work? Are you both going to support each other financially or take turns? That is also a very big concern. Moving forward, what to expect? The income of the individual. Is this going to be enough for your lifestyle? Do you agree on the way you spend money for entertainment, uh, for other activities, uh, purchasing a home, uh, where to live? That all involves money decisions, and we need to be on board with that because that's going to be the biggest stress factor people are going to have when it involves keeping a marriage together. When we return, we'll dive into some questions to consider when creating an emotional prenup. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. It's Sunday night and we're back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta with Joan Kelly Walker and our special guest, Dr. Frida Birnbaum, breaking down what you should consider when making an emotional prenup. Now, I, I think this is actually a brilliant idea for accountability. Now, is this something that we just talk about or do we write it down? Because I think it would make more sense if we write it down and then we can go back to it and say, well, no, we wrote this down. You signed it. Right. (laughs) So what do you think? What are you saying? You know, absolutely. You know, when I was married uh, 50 some years ago, we didn't have anything like this. And when I heard about the prenup, I thought, you know, how crass there's a show uh, on, on couples dating. And this young girl is is uh, dating somebody, and uh, he said he's not going to have a prenup. And she said to him, and she's 20 years younger, you, we're not going to have a prenup. Forget about it. I'm not going to marry you without a prenup. And I'm thinking, you know, this is what it's about, that she is marrying him. Maybe she loves him, and maybe she wants to be with him. But that's in on her mind, that she should. And then she said to him, why should I date somebody my age already? So that sort of told me that we're going in the wrong direction. What is marriage all about? How secure can I be? What can I get out of this if it doesn't work? No. Why don't we try to make it work so it does work? It's hard work. People who are married, people who have long-term relationships, live longer, and they're happier. Research has shown that. But it is a lot of work to do that. So I said to myself, we really are missing something here. What is this picture? What is the missing link? We need to have a preventative, not to go to therapy. And I am a ther- an analyst, not to go for the next seven years. But how can we be there for each other? So you're right. We should have something scripted, something written down. We, we often argue for other reasons and say, wait a minute. You told me that we can only see our in-laws once a month. And now you want to see them every Sunday. I'm not happy with this. We need to go ahead and look at what you promised me. Then the other person needs to say, okay, you're right. I did say that to you. That's truth. There's a lot of meaning to that. And we're going to continue in that direction. Because one person's hurt is not the same as another person's hurt. So this is more important to you. So then you continue that direction. By giving in is something that uh, is very important. When you talk about emotional feelings, giving in to that person shows that you're emotionally involved with that person's interests, uh, no matter what is going on with the disagreement. So having that contract there uh, to look at, and saying, this is what was said, and this is not what's being done uh, right now, no matter how small it is. That you know, sorry, I just want to say something about financial prenups. I think, yeah. you know, most of the time it's because there's such a huge difference in the financial levels of the two people. But I think yes. ultimately it does make both people feel more secure. 
because the person with more money feels like, okay, I'm not going to give it all away if the marriage falls apart in six months. And the other person feels like, okay, I invested all this emotion and everything, and I'm not going to be like out on the street without a dime. So I think that's good. And also the other thing that people don't realize is that you can revisit this and you can update it. Like people think, oh, I signed that thing 30 years ago. Things have changed so much, but why didn't they talk about it again at the one-year mark or the five-year mark or the 10-year mark? Like it, it comes down to communication and making both parties feel really secure, right? That's a very good point and that's a very, very valid point. I did not say we should not have a prenup. I just said we should have this emotional prenup before to prevent that prenup from happening altogether. But I do like what you said about reassessing every year, every two years, every three years. That's a very good idea to keep going back to that because life does take over and we get pulled in all kinds of directions. So to know what made us tick, what he said he would support my career. Is it is that happening? We said we would take turns working. Is that happening? I wasn't supposed to work at all for this amount of time. Is that going on? Those things back and forth has to be reevaluated. Now, things do happen in life, tragedies, circumstances, financial problems, our economy, whatever. And then we do have to go back and reassess and change things around. So if you were supposed to be helped with your career, and economically, your partner can't help you right now. Well, that doesn't mean that the marriage or the relationship isn't good. That means we need to look at the circumstances around us and change those things. But the most important part is for people, everyone to get their needs met within a certain understanding, of course, but not to have some narcissist or controller there and saying, this is the way I want it. No, this is not what you signed up for. And instead of getting a divorce, which could be a common, understandable reason, let's see if we can save the marriage first. Let's see what we can do to go back in time and, and see if we can recapture those moments back. Because when I said about romance, it's because it's unconditional. Let's see if we can continue that. I just want to share a little a little thing from my life here like what you said about it's important for everyone to get their needs met when I met my husband he had been married and he had two kids and so he was very clear with me that he only agreed to have two more children and you know it was hard for me because I wanted to have a third but he was feeling like I'm spread so thin between work and the kids that I have and spending time with you and all these other items in life that, you know, I had to really get my brain around that. Like we both need to get our needs met and I am fulfilled because I have two beautiful children and he doesn't feel like, uh, there's been too much extra pressure on him by ha by me having a third. So that like we did actually do that. And I didn't realize that this is part of this emotional prenup thing. We, it was just something that we had discussed. So thank you for bringing that up. Guys, it's time for a quick break. Stick with us. We'll be discussing how to handle broken agreements in an emotional prenup after that. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca. To 
Toronto's News. Today's Talk, 640 Toronto. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca, joined by Joan Kelly Walker, philanthropist and media personality. And we're continuing our conversation with Dr. Frida Birnbaum about emotional prenups. And now, how do you bring up the idea of an emotional prenup? Like, how does this start? How do you have a conversation about it? Because it may sound like a, it's like like a contractual, some people may think it's like a contractual business type thing, but how do we we start that conversation? You just bring it up. You said, this this is what I need in order to move forward. This is what I need to know, to know that this can work. Absolutely. And not only that, what will happen is the other person will also want the same thing because everybody Mm -hmm. has their needs. Everybody has different issues in their lives that are important to them. So we can go ahead and be much more comfortable and having a relationship moving forward by just saying, you know what, this is important to me. I'd like to talk to you about it. What do you think? Do you want to have kids? Don't you want to have kids? There's a a lot of things down the list that you can really look at and see is this something that you're on the same page about? Or is it so many are there so many things that are not going to work? And maybe they just won't work. So no, this is not negative. This is keeping the marriage together, wanting that person to be in your life and giving that statement to that person, look, I want this to work. And this is how I feel this will work. And you go down the list of whatever you feel is important. Yeah, I just want to say quickly, a lot of the stuff that you're mentioning sounds to me like vetting for dating. These are some of the things that I would want to get out really early on when I meet someone, you know, like, where do you want to live? You know, do you plan on moving, especially if you're in a long distance relationship? Uh, How I, I may not ask them about money. I mean, that may be something down, you know, the road, but um if you want children how many all these are really important in the dating stage wouldn't you agree sometimes not necessarily mm-hmm. some people before there's a commitment there's a fra- they're afraid especially women about children do they appear too needy is a time that the clock is running out uh men get scared uh, is that why you want to be with me? Because time is running out. So there are a lot of variables involved within these questions that people are not ready for. But once there's a commitment, uh, that desire to keep making it work. When you're dating, uh, you're scouting, but you're not really looking to uh, cement the relationship and to invest in it completely till you know that this is where you're going. This is going to be a long-term relationship. This is going to be something that two people will work on it. And when you know that you're going to work on it, that's exactly what it does take. It does take work. But you have to have the same goals right from the beginning, Dr. Frida. They have to do But Exactly. But not everybody can go through a whole list, a whole itinerary uh, before, because when there is a disconnect with people, what they often do is they just say, goodbye, We're not, this is not going to work. But we have to know that you're in this to make it work and what you can do to make it work. Instead of saying goodbye, what can you do? The one thing you need to do is to be able to know that you can compromise. You can really get into the middle of it and say, well, I want, I don't want any children. 
I want, I want one child. Let's see how we can do this. Then you make sure that each person is happy. It's not easy to go ahead and bend towards someone when you're trying to make sure that the person you're going to be with ahead of time is something that you can walk away with and say, okay, people don't want to work today. That's why there's so many divorces. And that's why the internet is just a flick of a button to the next person. He's not good. She's not good. Let me continue. Let me go on. This little thing is not good. I don't like the way they did this. It becomes really silly and ridiculous. So when there's already a commitment, then you're ready to work at it. People do not work on their relationships the way they should. They're too quick to make their minds up and say, this is not going to work. So when you have this in front of you, you can always go back to the original contract and say, wait a minute, this is what I wanted. This is not working. Do you want to work forward? Do you want to do something about it? And it's a way to reassess the negativity because often what happens in relationships and long-term relationships as well is you become negative about other things. It's called transference and counter-transference. And you don't even know why, but most of the time it's because your basic needs are not being met. When you go back to this prenup and you say, hey, wait a minute, this is something that's important to me. I don't like the way you're fighting. You told me we wouldn't have dirty fighting. You wouldn't be the silent partner. We would walk, talk it through. The other person wouldn't attack so we can work things out. Let's see. Can we do that? Can we compromise? Can we not talk about our in-laws, our parents, our history, and throw that at each other to make each other feel good? Because these are deal breakers within the marriage. After a while, what happens in a partnership, and a relationship, people argue, and it's really triggered in them. And when the worst part is, as a therapist I've seen many times, they find fault that no matter what happens, they're quick to find something wrong because it's already a preconceived attitude. And this is to help you, to prevent you from having that. So the question you asked is very important. What about dating? Can't you do the same thing uh, with dating? Dating is often not a full commitment. People will go a year, two years, three years with each other before they have a full commitment. And then they'll often split up. This is something that'll help them if the dating is long-term, it's similar uh, to uh, emotional prenup, if they can work these things through. So it doesn't have to be marriage per se, but it has to be commitment per se. And a commitment can happen anytime. It could happen after a two-year range, after a one-year range, but it helps people not to leave so quickly. Today, they're leaving quickly. They're living together. Uh, but they're not necessarily staying together. The commitment is not there. Might make myself clear. I want to yeah. make sure. Okay. So, so one thing I just want to clarify here: once you've got a commitment, marriage or dating, whatever, then you have this compatibility list where you talk about kids, structure of money, where do you live, career plans, like whatever those things are. Those are concrete and tangible items. But if you if you 
try and bring up the concept of an emotional prenup. Like what if one partner's hesitant about that because it's like a whole new concept for them? How do you, how do you make sure that they're on board? Like, I'm just thinking of, of, you know, my experience, I think talking about tangible things like money or home or, you know, those types of things are, those are our solid, finite, concrete things, but emotions and an emotional prenup is such a brand new concept. How do you, how do you even introduce that? When you talk about concrete things, the emotions are there. The emotions come up. It's a way to identify uh, the emotions. And then when there's bonding between two people, the feelings come out. The compassion comes out, and then it gives you a chance to work on it. And the best way to do that, of course, is to listen to each other. Listen to the other person. Don't let your ego get in the way. And it's not whether you're right or wrong. What is the best effect? So the person who breaks that circle and says, okay, I hear what you're saying. If this is so important to you, I will try to make it work. That's two people talking about their emotions, although they're talking about things. When you have that kind of compassion for the other person, it will come out in talking about making the other person happy, no matter what that is. What, what that could be seem like the smallest thing, but it's a connection to the other person's feelings, to being happy when the other person is happy to be able to know that you have the same language with what life is supposed to be all about. And this is work, it's not easy to do. So when you're talking about just dating, dating is something today that is different than dating used to be. Dating used to be, you would date for a couple months, you get married, nobody used to live together, forget about it. Today, living together is like being married without the contract. So this is the prenup. This is the emotional contract that you need to have on board together to make things work. So when you go in and you say, this is it, you and I, this is final. The commitment is there to go ahead. And even though you spoke about some things, to be able to have a checklist, because I guarantee you that checklist will be forgotten at times when there's heat of the moment and there's problems going on. But if you can maintain that, the marriage can be stronger and better than ever because every marriage has episodes of problems. There are celebrations, there are deaths. There's all kinds of things you experience together, which makes the marriage actually and the relationship much deeper because of all these things you went through. You know, the beginning of a marriage and a relationship, the first three years is the romantic stage and everything's wonderful. And this person can do nothing bad, every, uh, no harm. It's great. Wait, how many three years did you think? Three? About three years. Three years. I think, I think it's sooner than that. <laughs> well, it depends. But it's uh, for some people, it is three years. But you're right. It could be sooner than that. It could be two and a half years, it could be two years. It does depend on the circumstances, but usually the norm research has shown that it does go up to three years. Uh, but then after that, uh, we have to really live our lives and we have to look at and see uh, what we are, who we are, what we want. I know I told my husband 
uh, before I married him or when we were getting serious to get married, I said, listen, you, to me, what's very important is you have to be there for my parents. You have to help me take care of my parents. That was very important to me. And he did. So, and he yeah. did. That was, that was my, my criteria for what was uh, involved in this uh, relationship that I have. So everybody has uh, different feelings of what it is, where they come from. And uh, when I spoke about money and I talked about, uh, you know, uh, being faithful, lo loyal to each other, uh, that's very much apropos to mainstream. But there are other things that are not, that you may not want to talk about in the beginning, that you may want to wait uh, because you don't want to jump the gun and push someone away. But as you get closer to relationship, you may feel more comfortable talking about it where before uh, in the dating process, as you mentioned, see, I can't get off that question as the dating process. Uh, see, aren't you sorry you said that? Well, I'm, I'm sure you're not, but whatever it is, that's when you're, that's when you're not um, really a hundred percent invested. You want to make sure that everything is going smoothly. When you're invested already, uh, then you can then you can go ahead and talk about other things uh, that may not be as uh, supportive of the relationship, uh, things in your past, uh, things that may not make you look so good, but because you already have confirmed that the relationship is strong and you're moving forward, you'll be more open to suggestion. We need to take a quick break, guys. And after the break, uh, we're going to chat about some of the things that you should consider when making an emotional prenup. Stay with us. You're listening to The Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellata with Joan Kelly Walker, and uh, we're chatting tonight with Dr. Frida Birnbaum on how to handle broken agreements in an emotional prenup. And Joan, man, sounds like uh, you're a relationship expert in your own right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I had never even heard the term emotional prenup, but you, it is good to discuss these things before marriage mm -hmm. and probably during dating. And I found we were just sort of naturally doing that and it really served us well. And we're still together after 23 years. So something went right. Yeah, and you have a beautiful, beautiful family. So obviously you're doing something, right? Well, you're together because you worked on it. Because you yes. were a team and you were you were there for each other. That doesn't always happen. That's why divorce is so common. That's a sad part. To give up yourself, to realize that the other person makes you happy or makes you happier than you can make yourself is a place where we need to be in order to keep a marriage stable. So you are somebody that maybe didn't need this at all, this emotional prenup. I'm not saying everybody needs it, but I am saying it will help to prevent you from going further if you are not in a place that the two of you are in sync with each other. 
Now, what happens if one partner doesn't live up to one of the agreements in their emotional prenup and they're not budging? Well, it's a problem. I mean, you have to go back to the original contract and look at it, as you said, as you suggested, write it down and then look at it and say, wait a minute, this is very important to me. We discussed it. We were going to go through this with this together as a couple. And the other person say, nah, I changed my mind. Not important to me. Well, is the marriage important to you? Because sometimes you have to look and see, are you happy in this situation you're in? Because I can guarantee you, if that person is not there for one thing, a person's probably not there for everything and you're not in a great place. So if you if you know that there are missing links, never give up who you are for the marriage. That's one thing. I do believe in marriage, but you have to be able to say, this is important to me. This is what helps me to function. This is what I need from you. If the other person is taking it not as seriously, you do have to go back and make sure it works or the marriage may not work at all because you are number one. It's each of you. You have to be there for each other in order to have a good marriage. This is the way it goes. If somebody's not going to follow through, then they're not there for you completely. And but I, I hate just, to say But I just think as humans, we, you know, we go through things. We, we encounter a variety of different experiences. Sometimes they're positive, sometimes they're negatives, and they shape our beliefs and our attitudes about things. So maybe what if a you know, partner goes, is going through something, has gone through something, and then decides, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm sorry. I just... It's, well, if that's something that is understandable, I don't know, we're talking in generality, if there's a death in the, of a parent, or there's something that the person decides they want to move somewhere else or something, a lot of this can absolutely be understandable. So you have to be able to go with it. If it makes sense, of course, you're right, then you do have to be flexible and change as the times change and the situation changes. Mm-hmm. That's that true. That we do have to be. We're only human beings. Things do happen to us. And then again, look, what if we decide we don't want this marriage, no matter what happens? Then that's also part of a risk factor within a relationship. So what we're talking about today is how to eliminate a lot of the risk factors that will definitely happen Uh you know, when you're fighting and you want to hurt each other, you know what to say to do that. So then you have set boundaries of what what it is uh, you need to do. Because there are, relationships have their ups and downs. And this is just some ways of avoiding some of the downs uh, with what we go through. We go through enough things uh, with our careers, with our friendships, with our relatives. Go together. You want to be safe. You, you close the doors at the end of the day. You want to know you have a partner, a companion, somebody who listens to you, somebody who understands you, and vice versa, a safety place. That's what we're talking about uh, today. Because when you have that, then you never really want to leave. And yes, there are bumps on the road that will definitely happen. But it's how you cope that really makes the difference to those bumps on the road. 
So are these conversations something that you should work through together no matter what? Or should you turn to therapy or counselors to mediate the conversations at a certain point? When do you know that you're at that point? Well, when you're arguing and uh, everything uh, becomes negative uh, and you don't see anything, any hope, you go to someone. I know when people come to see me, couples come to see me, when it's very negative, at least there's some passion between the two of them. The biggest problem is when they're not talking, uh, when there's no heat, negative or positive. I know it's already going, it's already over. So when do you turn to therapy? When you're not listening to each other anymore, you're not making it. I would prefer if you could sit on the couch or chairs next to each other, look at each other, hear what the other person's saying, repeat it, and then see how you can make it work between the two of you, because I can assure you, if it's one situation, there'll be other things that need to be dealt with. And you just do the same thing over and over. And after a while, there's a pattern of being compatible with each other and wanting to see this work. So each person needs to want equally to see that there's progress and that they want this marriage. I asked somebody the other day, do you want the marriage? He said he didn't know. So I said, well, if you don't know, I have nothing to work with. You have to really know that you're willing to put yourself out. I'm not saying that's all it is. I'm not saying you have to only put yourself out. There are a lot of wonderful things as well. But to keep those wonderful things, as I said before, you can be happier than ever. You do have to work on some issues. Dr. Frida, you have been such an amazing guest once again. Thank you so much know, for joining us. I think I was more professional. <laughs> than anything else. <laughs> you're amazing. Well, you, well, you answered everything beautifully. So you know your stuff. Funny. Anywho, um, where can people Love get you. a hold of you? Um, my website is drfrida, uh, com, And uh, my podcast is the Dr. Frida Show. And um, I also have uh, whatever I have. I have uh, my uh, email, which you can reach me if you want to is uh, D-O-C-T-O-R-F-R-I-E-D-A at uh, gmail.com. Thank you so much. And Joan, where can people get a hold of you? My website, joankellywalker.com or Instagram is always good. It's joankellywalkerofficial. And you can follow me on TikTok and Instagram, official Laura Bellotta. And check out my website, singleinthecity.ca if you are single and looking, I can hook you up. Anywho, guys, thank you so much for joining this week and we'll see you next week. Ciao for now. season of 911 on a new night Thursday March 14th on Global Stream on Stack TV